is up, everybody? He's Rich. I am Matt. This is the Sooner Nation Podcast, and we are committed to give you the best darned podcast experience that we can before the coronavirus kills us all. It's it's funny that you mentioned that because I had a conversation with a friend of mine who you know as well from dating back, I think it was to 1999, what people, experts, maybe, maybe not, were predicting would kill us. And it was quite quite interesting to think about because a lot of those you should remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Swine flu. SARS, bird mm-hmm. flu. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they all came from Asia. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. And, and just there, saying. There was the great 2K. Oh, Y2K. Yeah, yeah Y2K. Y2K. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was in Atlanta, Georgia what, what for that. Was. I was at a conference in Atlanta, Georgia. That is <laughs> I, not what you're tuning in to hear us discuss, <laughs> though. We got to talk some Oklahoma basketball, spring football storylines, baseball, softball in action this weekend. We got a couple of updates on 2021 recruiting targets. Got to talk some Oklahoma City Thunder. I am not willing to back off of my statement that we ended with last week about the Oklahoma City Thunder. And we're going to jump into all that and much more. Thanks so much for being a part of this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. Do us a favor. Ignore, forget, delete the first part of this conversation about SARS and coronavirus and swine flu. That is unless you have it. And then enjoy our podcast before you die. But otherwise, um, give us a positive rating on... Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you're picking us up. And feel free to hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland, at Sports Heartland on Twitter, or you can always trust the email, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. You can find our content every day at heartland-sports.com as well. All right, Oklahoma basketball, the Sooners with a big win on Tuesday night over number 22nd, 22nd Texas Tech. Oklahoma rolling to a 65 to 51 lead. They led throughout the game. Texas Tech never really – I mean, here's a great defensive performance. The best defensive performance that I believe that we've seen all season long from Long Kruger and company holding the Red Raiders to a season low of 51 points. Ramsey, the Ramsey kid who leads Texas Tech in scoring, was held scoreless throughout the game. It snaps a three-game losing streak for Oklahoma, a losing streak that was – Mildly okay when you consider two of the three games were to against, against then number third ranked Kansas and then number one ranked Baylor. But it still does not erase the egregious loss Oklahoma suffered in Stillwater at the hands of Oklahoma State on Saturday. And that's where we disagree. Well, and here's here's where I'm going to be right on this. Oklahoma's oh, oh, Oklahoma oh, oh, oh. 17 and 11 now on the season. They've got to pick up three wins. We've talked about 20. I mean, we're not going to disagree on 20 wins, right? Not in, in any year would we disagree okay. on 20 Okay, so they've wins. got to pick up three more wins. you got three games but, left. You've got a road trip to Morgantown, West Virginia on Saturday with Kristen Doolittle, who just had surgery on Thursday. There is no nah. room. Well, timeout. There's no room for error. Bedlam is the reason for that. And even though you beat a top-ranked team, top 25-ranked team in Texas Tech on Tuesday night, it still doesn't remove the fact that there's no room for error. You had to beat them, and you have to beat West Virginia, another top 25-ranked team on the road. And this team, as much as I, I have a ton of respect for Long Kruger, I have a ton of respect for Brady Manick, 
I know there's only one senior on this team, but they are hot garbage on the road, and you gotta go two or three of the final games on the road. Bedlam, Bedlam was the was the curse. Beating Texas Tech doesn't doesn't replace that. See, I don't I don't necessarily agree with you on multiple points of your argument. While I do agree 20 is generally the magic number that gets you into the tournament, it's not a requirement. In fact, we've seen teams get into the NCAA tournament with losing records in conference play as well as sub-20 win marks. I'm not saying that Oklahoma can do that this year, although they have done it in the past. I'm not saying that's necessarily the case as there's a lot a lot of basketball to be played and the automatic bids haven't even been handed out yet through the conference tournaments. But here's what I am looking at. I'm looking at the potential that you're saying of a 20-win season, which likely puts Oklahoma number three in the Big 12 heading into the tournament. If they don't hit that mark, if they're not the third-seeded team in the Big 12 tournament, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're out of the NCAA tournament because I believe a 20th win can be picked up here in the postseason. Okay, and I'm and I I don't know if you listened to my midweek podcast when when I talked about this. Uh, by the way, again, just big, big shout out to Chris Plank uh, for joining us on that uh, Monday podcast. I said midweek, but it was the first of the week. Um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, Chris and I spent a considerable amount of time talking. Uh, well, first of all, talking Oklahoma softball, the Sooners opening up at home this weekend, but also spring football. So just plugging the previous podcast. But I said, here's the thing. You don't want to borrow against the Big 12 tournament because if there's one place that Long Kruger's teams have fin- have done worse no, than their I've road seen, record I've right now, it's in the Big 12 tournament. But I do believe if Oklahoma picks up one win down this stretch, it, it's – it's good enough to leave them on the bubble. It doesn't remove them from the conversation. Now, a loss to TCU puts that in substantial questionary uh, territory. However, you get the win against TCU. I, I believe Texas is beatable. So even if you drop that West Virginia game, you're one win short. You are saying two of the next three games, right? You're still one win short at 19 there. Look, that top four seed in the Big 12 tournament, I think, would guarantee them a place in the NCAA. I agree with that. But I don't think that top – I think you got to win out. Because, look, right now you're, 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 th- fourth, you're tied in fourth place with West Virginia and Texas. TCU's nipping at your heels. Those are your final three games of the season. So if you drop one of those three games, you're not going to be top four in the regular season. I, I- – I see what you're saying. Like I said, I, I, I get however, if you win Bedlam, if you win Bedlam, you can drop a game in, in, in Morgantown. You could have dropped the game against, against Texas tech and, and it wouldn't have hurt you, but because you lost Bedlam back is against the wall and you got to go on the road and you got to win two of the final three. You, you and I talked about this. So I'm just going to throw it out there because you already know. But when I initially asked you this question, you, you had to think about it. Oklahoma's only two legitimate road wins this season, the drum in Austin, Texas, and North Texas in Denton. They've only won twice in true road games this season. And now you got to do two out of three to close out. Here's I, – I get what you're saying. And as I'm looking at this team, 
as I'm looking at the conference as a whole more so than just Oklahoma, I believe as it currently sits, the Big 12 puts five teams in the NCAA tournament. As long as you are one of those top five teams, your chances are pretty good, but it does require Oklahoma, as you're saying, take two of these games of the of the next three. I, they got to take three, bro. They got to take all three. Because, I'm saying two. I'm but you're not gonna. Two. But if you lose one, you're not gonna be top five. Why not? Because West so, Virginia, wait, wait, Texas, lose, and TCU are your you opponents. Lose, if you lose to West Virginia, you beat Texas Tech and you beat TCU. You've already beat Texas Tech. So look, look, you're tied. Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas, all seven and eight. You got to beat both of them to be top five. No, you just have to beat one. No, you don't, man. Yes, you do. Look, look, Kansas, number one. Baylor, number two, by virtue of of a tiebreaker, right? Texas Tech, (laughs) you're just sitting there shaking your head. The way that I'm looking at here, here I pulled it up. I've got... The way that it's listed on the page I'm looking at, Kansas is one, okay? No. Baylor's two, Texas Tech three, West Virginia, Texas, and Oklahoma all sitting there. Guess where, Matt? That's right. Four. I'm not going to agree with you that you have to beat three teams to be in the top five. Okay, but here, let's just do some math, okay? Seven and eight. Uh-huh. You beat West Virginia. Yeah. You're eight and eight. Okay. Let's say Texas wins this weekend. Eight and eight. Now you're tied with Texas mm-hmm. and West Virginia. I mean, you're tied with Texas. West Virginia is yeah. one game behind you. But then you lose Tuesday on senior night to Texas. Texas all by themselves in that fourth spot. And now you're tied with West Virginia once again with one game to go on the road. I'm just and saying, I'm just saying, this team is a terrible road team. They are a terrible road I, team. You've got, but if you get two wins, Matt, that Granted, you can't lose to TCU. That has to be one of the wins. Otherwise, the whole conversation we're having, my whole side of the argument becomes moot. If you don't beat TCU, disregard making the tournament at this point in time because you have to make a run in the Big 12 tournament. And these Long Kruger, Oklahoma Sooners teams haven't been able to do that. It hinges on a win over TCU and one of the others, West Virginia or Texas. If if they lose, if they lose one of these three final games, they've got to win twice in the Big Twelve. I think you got to get to twenty one. I'm serious. I just and but I here's disagree. the thing. But here here's here's I what I want. Nineteen's good enough. Here's what I want to get at because first of all, I want your opinion on this because there is there is a, a growing amount of displeasure with Long Kruger. I don't think it's warranted yet. And, and, and again, I, I could be extremely biased here because Long Kruger has been nothing but genuine and awesome to you and I in our coverage and our excess that we've had with the basketball team in the past. But here's why I say it's not merited yet. Do you remember where this team was picked to finish preseason? Yeah, it was in the bottom half. I, I think Way it was seven. eight. They were picked to finish eighth in the Big 12. And here you and I are arguing about whether they can be fifth or fourth. And I, I mean... Lon Kruger, in my opinion, has squeezed everything that he can squeeze out of this team. And when you look at a performance like what we got Tuesday night against Texas Tech, you think, man, and and by the way, this has been, in my opinion, has been overlooked. Lon Kruger completely outcoached Chris Beard on Tuesday night. And it, it it was a coaching mismatch. When you look at the talent that Texas Tech has, 
being a, a top 25 team, when you look at where Oklahoma is, especially when you look, consider they were picked to finish eighth in the Big 12, that was a coaching mismatch. So it's not like Long Kruger can't coach. It's He's got a young team that only has one senior. And when you consider that this team was picked to finish eighth in the Big 12, they've only got one senior who, by the way, leads them in scoring 15 and a half points per game. I think it's been a pretty good job of coaching for Long Kruger this season. And I get where the frustration comes from because you watch a performance like what we saw Tuesday night against Texas Tech, and then you scratch your head and think, well, what the crap happened in Stillwater against Oklahoma State? Where was this team in Bedlam? Where was this team in Ames, Iowa? Where was this team in Manhattan, Kansas? But that's that's the point I'm making for this final stretch of two of three on the road. This team does not play on the road. They are a totally different club when they get on a plane and go somewhere as opposed to where they get on a bus and go to Oklahoma City or they walk across campus and go down to the Lloyd Noble Center. The one stat, I've thrown this out in recap after recap. I've thrown it out here on the podcast. When it comes to the Oklahoma Sooners, there's no better measure of success than rebounding. We can say whatever we want about the team, but if you're looking for a statistical category to watch to determine whether Oklahoma will win the contest or lose it, look at rebounding. Rebounding is a great indicator of effort. It's a great indicator of energy. But for Oklahoma, it's a great indicator of how this contest will go down. We can take the last three wins from Oklahoma, which would be Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Iowa State are are the three previous wins for Oklahoma. In each of those games, yes, I get West Virginia. Oklahoma out-rebounded West Virginia by one, but they won that game, did they not? Right. My, My argument still holds true. Iowa State on the glass completely got wiped off the floor in that that statistical category by Oklahoma. And the same thing with Texas Tech. This is a team, Matt, you and I have been there, that is built around defense, defensive effort, but more importantly, fast break opportunities and getting out in transition and in open floor in spacing situations. It requires that team to be heavy on the defensive glass in order to be successful in those areas. That's why I continue to watch rebounding as the indicator of success. I've said that for years. I'll probably continue to say that under Lon Kruger. It will change most likely under a different coach, but under Lon Kruger, Oklahoma has to have the effort on the defensive glass in order to win these contests. And as we're moving forward, as we're talking about the NCAA tournament, that's one thing I want you to monitor when we go up against West Virginia on the road, because it doesn't matter the venue, Matt. Oh, I think it matters. I, because I, I, two and eight on the road means the venue matters. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't, I mean, two and eight, you can't say the venue doesn't matter. Okay. That's just, I mean, that's just I, not. I'm, I'm going to say the venue doesn't matter if Oklahoma rebounds the ball well. They've got to knock down shots. I get it. It's about scoring. It's not about rebounds. It's about scoring. 
Well, the good news is if there's a, I mean, West Virginia is just a, they're great defensively. They're, they're, they're very athletic. They're very tall. They do crash the boards. They're a good rebounding team, but they're a terrible shooting team. And, and they're extremely physical. We've known that under Bob Huggins. That's what I love so much about Texas Tech. And that pairing came, in, in my opinion, at the right time. We got to see the toughness. You've mentioned Christian Doolittle playing with a broken nose, wearing a mask, has undergone a successful surgery, is expected to play on Saturday. But how much are you expecting from him on Saturday? He's expected expect, to play. I'm expecting a full a full contest from him, 29, 32 minutes. I'm, okay, but I'm talking about production, not minutes production on the floor. Production exactly the same. I yeah, hope yeah. no, I hope so because just your head no, I just I, I'm just thinking you have surgery on thirty uh, on Thursday and then you're gonna go play a basketball game yeah, on but, Saturday. But you break your nose on Saturday and then play on Tuesday with, by the way, this thing pressed down. I was there. I was. I could. Tell, I sent you a message pregame Saying and I said, "Yeah, he's uncomfortable with this." I was but there. I saw. Clearly, it didn't it. affect his scoring. Well, up, that's true, but he, did, he he actually exceeded his. Average. But he was actually. I mean, he was struggling, and maybe that. Maybe the surge. He he did say after the game that his struggle was breathing. He had some breathing issues with it. So maybe which makes sense with a broken nose. Maybe the surgery will will help with that. Oklahoma seventeen and eleven on the season. Uh, I still think they have to get three wins in the regular season or two wins in the Big 12 tournament. Two and four against top 25 teams this season. The Again, the alarming statistic is as Oklahoma finishes out this uh, regular season, two of their last three games are on the road, and they're two and eight on the road this season in Big 12 play. I'm going to put you on the spot right now, Rich. Is Oklahoma going to be in the NCAA? When we do our March Madness NCAA tournament bracket contest, Will Oklahoma be one of our options yes. for a win? So you're saying they're in. I, I'm saying they're in, given given a, a mishap or a misfire doesn't take place at TCU in Fort Worth. <laughs> okay, that, here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say they're in, and unless they play like they normally play on the road, is that <laughs> with that word? Because that's you. That's can. I mean that's you're, pretty much how we go with it. A little bit wider than mine. All right, uh, we got some breaking news on the NFL Combine. I'm going to shoot at you here in just a second. He's Rich. I'm Matt, Sooner Nation Podcast. we got to change the topic. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jalen Hurts. Four, oh, I'm not even going to tell you what it is unless you know. Do you know what Jalen Hurts' 40 time was in the NFL? I don't. I don't. Guess. Guess what he ran in the 40. Um, I don't think he looks fast, uh, but when you watch him, I said that he was deceptively quick. And so I'm going to post him at a four, five, six time. Very impressive. Four, four five. Point five. Yeah, he had four, five on the 40. And fastest time of a quarterback at this point. Now, Jalen's getting a lot of, you know, I don't think anybody outside of the diehard, diehard Joe from Anadarko fan is going. And again, I'm sorry if you're in Anadarko and your name is Joe. Um, if you are a, I mean, I just, I, you're not going to pick Jalen Hurst to be a top first, second, or third round pick. I don't believe so at this point. But the question is, can this guy play quarterback in the NFL? There are some trends that I'm are, are asking happening. Yes. your opinion. Yes. 
I know you're what you're asking me. <laughs> there are some trends that do definitely lend themselves towards the skill set that Jalen Hurts has. You asked me the question of can he play quarterback or will he play quarterback? I I believe that's an undoubted yes at this point. Well, in it's time. gonna be make or break. He's he's Tim Tebow in this thing. It's like right. hey, I'm a quarterback or I'm not. And here's the thing is, I don't know if you saw this, but there were kind of, there was some speculation, rumors, if you will, that were saying teams had asked Jalen Hurts to participate in drills that quarterbacks don't normally participate in. I saw this on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but they completely shot down that notion and said, regardless of the speculation, Jalen Hurts has not been asked to participate in any of those drills, which means that everyone is eyeing him as a quarterback and there are definitely sets there are definitely different ways that you can utilize Jalen Hurts skill set without making him a starter in the NFL well Taysom Hill is that's which that's, is the big comparison that, yeah exactly but he, he wants to go more and compare himself to Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson is not a great passer but he's a freakishly athletic guy mm-hmm. who opens things up in the passing lane because of of his Ability to the, run the, the ball, but Jalen Hurts is not as fast as Lamar Jackson, he, he but he's bigger. To be. He's bigger. Right. He doesn't have to be. No one's expecting another Lamar Jackson to be picked up late in the first round of the draft. That's just not going to happen. And that would be a very un, unfair statement or unfair comparison to place on Jalen Hurts. But I'll tell you, you've noted one thing that Lamar Jackson has that Jalen Hurts doesn't. Well, the thing that Jalen Hurts doesn't, that Lamar Jackson doesn't have did i confuse you yeah you said the thing that jalen hurts doesn't that lamar jackson doesn't have okay sorry the thing that jalen hurts does have okay okay i'm with lamar jackson doesn't is undeniable leadership traits i don't know yeah but here's the thing we see that as heavily well and and i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna give you credit on that because that's a very astute observation but Uh i don't i don't know that leadership that kind of character leadership is as valuable in the NFL as it is in college. I'm just going to throw that out there. I just, when everyone's getting paid millions of dollars, whether you win or you lose, I, I don't know that that type of leadership. It, it's, but you've got to have a rallying point. Well, and you, everyone you, yes, looks to I, the quarterback. I, well, sometimes, yes. Um, I, I mean, the XFL, they're not, they're not like getting fed everything through their their, hey, their headset. Speaking their, of XFL, big big game this weekend for Bob Stoops and company, the the Dallas Renegades of against the Houston Roughneck Roughnecks. Houston. Great. You're the XFL guy. It is the Roughnecks. So, a uh, huge game this weekend for uh, XFL football fans. All right, spring uh, football getting ready to start for Oklahoma here in a week or so. Give me your top storylines. Give me two or you want to go three. We can we can do either or. All right, let's go. I'm, both. All right, I, I, the more the merrier. Give me your top three storylines, and, and I'll gonna, tell you I'm if I got trade something. To... You, okay, I'm gonna trade you. I'm I'm gonna give one. No, I want to I want to hear your top three, okay. and then if I have something different, I'll throw okay. in there. Um, for me, it's, <laughs> it's I I want to focus on on a big area outside of quarterback, but I simply can't. We have labeled Spencer Rattler, you and I, as well as people we've surrounded ourselves with, and much of Sooner Nation has labeled Spencer Rattler as the future because of what happens in the bowl game. But let's let's be honest. At this point in time, we haven't seen Spencer Rattler against the top competition at the collegiate level. 
he has the tools. He has the talent to be successful. He has the knowledge, can make the throws. I, I don't doubt any of that. It's why Oklahoma recruited him. But there are times that people just, players who are highly touted, just don't pan out. And I'm not saying that's Spencer Rattler, but I want to know what we have in him. What's What are the moments that are going to make him uncomfortable? And what's he going to do in that moment? How is that going to pan out? That's more so what I'm interested in from the quarterback position. Again, everybody's going to be watching that. Number two for me is definitely going to be the, the, the defensive backs, more specifically quarterbacks. Matt, you wrote a post on it earlier today. Lack of depth, not a ton of talent, a lot of attrition happening in the defensive back position. Now we're focusing in on the cornerbacks and saying, who do we have Parnell Motley's gone. Who's going to step in and begin to solidify themselves as that second option? But we've also got to look at these guys who are injured and say, are they going to come back and be just as good as they were? Because You're talking about guys like Trey Norwood. Trey Norwood, because I'm looking at Jordan Parker, mm-hmm. who suffered an injury and never really bounced back, was overtaken by a couple of these younger guys. Without the depth there, it's a major concern. That position as as a entire group is a major concern at this point spring game we'll definitely be watching them see how that develops but more interestingly for me is the the defensive tackle position we know that the secondary performs better when you can get pressure up front and i don't believe you get pressure up front unless you have a difference maker in the middle to free up the ends to really cause havoc for a quarterback as they begin to dive in swim whatever move they want to use to make that quarterback feel some pressure, to make him throw maybe sooner than he wants to, or just have to swallow the ball and take the sack. It all starts with the defensive tackles for me, because as I said, if you don't have a disruptor there, then the ends aren't quite as effective as they could be. Well, see, I'm going to agree with you on the quarterback. Uh, be, from this angle, though, and, and Chris, again, shameless plug, but if you have a chance to go back and listen to our, our Monday podcast and hear Chris and I talk about this, I don't think it's a quarterback battle. Now, Chris, Chris, I, I don't does, Chris Plank says it does, and, and he's part of the universe. Well, but he also <laughs> he also said he talked to players with you know the last two quarterback battles. He talked to players, and the players swore that this was legitimately a neck and neck competition. Of course, but I, and here's what, but here's what Chris and I both agreed on. Not that I don't respect his decision at all or his his opinion. He, I mean, there's a reason why we have him on. But what we agreed on is, okay, let's say it's a let's say it's a real quarterback battle. If Spencer Rattler is not the starting quarterback against Missouri State, it is the largest, most monumental position battle upset probably in the history of this university. Did you want my take? Well, on I mean, that? I'm just saying because I, I agree, and that's a no slight to a Tanner Mordecai. Tanner Mordecai, I, I think, has a place. I I think he's a very gifted athlete and is more of a, a pro style. He and he's going to be great at Louisiana Tech when he transfers. He can run the ball exceptionally well, and I think what we get caught up in is a lot of that that hype from the Kyler Murray, the Baker Mayfield. Days when we saw them begin to do things we didn't think were possible from the quarterback position. And it's why we've latched on to Spencer Rattler, because he's the continuation of that. 
Tanner Mordecai may be a Baker Mayfield type, but he doesn't bring that same game-changing ability on initial glance that a Spencer Rattler does. And it's because, I believe, you see Spencer Rattler puts out these trick shot videos. Have you seen one from Tanner Mordecai? Now all of a sudden I have in the back of my mind, okay, this kid is is capable of far greater things than I thought he was. And his arm strength, despite his body size, his arm strength is is beyond what we thought was imaginable. Do you, do you know who, who Spencer Rattler most recent college quarterback who he most compares to in my opinion don't say lamar jackson no 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 we've already we, we've already had a lamar jackson conversation um i i don't i honestly don't even have a guess patrick mahomes i i think he compares more it's to patrick the hair the hair yeah uh, no i think he when, when you look at his freakish athletic ability and then the charisma he has to draw people to him um, you know, I, I've got no problem with the trick shot videos. I know some people have mentioned on social media, you know, he needs to be focusing on this and let's not forget. He's still a kid. And, and he's, if the game of football is not fun, well, that's the, exactly. That's, that's a, that's, it. that's a great point. But I, I think when, when you look at the no look passes, he does, you look at throwing a football in a trash can from on top of a mountain. I mean, I mean, you look at the stuff that he's doing the behind the back, behind the back. I mean, that it's, it, that comes from a freakish athletic ability but also, it you got to be if you're going to put that on video, and be willing to take maybe some criticism because you're not focusing on Oklahoma football. You're out there in the desert goofing off with your friends. The dude's got confidence for days. I mean, he's got confidence for days, and that's what you want in a quarterback. You want your guy to be able to say, "Yeah, coach, I know we need to score on this drive, so give me the ball and let's do it." And so I. I'm going to look at that just because here's what I want to know. My my on the quarterback position, I want to know how much distance is between Spencer Rattler and Tanner Mordecai. And then how much difference is between Tanner Mordecai and the next guy? Who is the next guy? That's what I want to see from the quarterbacks. I I think offensively also I want to I want to check out these the the receivers. I I think the running backs is a little bit of a story because here here's something that was floated to me uh this week. And, and again, I'm going to pull this out of left field. You're, you're not prepared for this, okay? But here's something that was floated to me this week. And, I, and again, I'm going to preface this by saying I have not personally done the, done the research on this. But what was floated to me this week was, what if Ramondre Stevenson just takes a red shirt this year? He's looking at probably a five-game suspension, most likely. Um, could be less but most likely a five-game suspension, roughly half the season, half the regular season, almost. What if he redshirts? Because this is going to be it for Kennedy Brooks, most likely. Definitely going to be it for Trey Sermon. But you got guys like Marcus Major back there. You got TJ Pledger back there. What if Ramondre Stevenson takes a redshirt, and just lets Oklahoma running backs be Oklahoma running backs, and then hits it again in 2021. You got any thoughts on that? I have a thought. That's probably not going to be popular, but I have a thought on that. I think it would be very beneficial for Oklahoma as a program to have a guy who's proven, who can be that late-game punch Hmm. that you need, especially 
behind an experienced offensive line, which Oklahoma lacked last year. But going into this year, a lot of people expect them to be one of the best right. in the country. I mean, Oklahoma was considered as, as a finalist for one of the best this year even, which was a huge shock. Myself, I'm sure the players included just because of the lack of of experience. You don't have that excuse to to rely on, to lean back on anymore cuz this will be an experienced group. If you can bring in an experienced back, especially one the size and capability of Stevenson, I think it's a recipe for success. I like the idea. You're asking me my initial thoughts, that's all I've got. Here here's what I wonder. You've got some guys on this team that let the team down at the most critical point of the season. They made a selfish decision. I don't care what your opinion is, what your beliefs are on marijuana use, which that's never been officially, to my knowledge, it's never officially been stated that's what it was, but it's widely speculated. And I have heard former players confirm that's what it was, but I don't think anybody has like official statement said it, but you made a selfish decision. At the most critical point of the season, and now you got to miss almost half of the next season. Do the coaches, do they want him around longer? I mean, do you, do, is this a guy that you're going to, I mean, how much trust, if, if, if you're Lincoln Riley, how much trust do you have in Ramondre Stevenson right now? If, if you're Alex Grinch, how much trust do you have in Ronnie Perkins right now? Are these guys that you want in your program for another year? And I know people are going to be like, because oh, the person who threw this idea at me said, I can't believe you'd say that. You know, but let's 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 just set aside the crimson and cream colored glasses for just a minute and realize the damage that they did. Was Oklahoma going to beat LSU with Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins? No. But were they going to were they just going to get shellacked on national television? Over and over. I mean, Joe Burrow was force-feeding the ball to Oklahoma's secondary because he knew two things. There's no one out there that can that can cover on these mismatches, and there's no one that can get to me physically in the pocket. And Oklahoma struggled with their offensive game plan. How much of a how much of a factor would Ronnie Perkins have been? How much of a factor would Ramondre Stevenson have been? We don't know. And the reason we don't know was because of the decision that those guys made. And so I'm thinking as a coach, how much do I want to rely on this kid? The flip side of the argument, Matt, is Joe Mixon. Different. Way, way different circumstance. Way, way different. And, and look, here, here's why that's way different. It's way different on, on several different levels. The first level is Joe Mixon, that was an altercation that escalated. Okay? It wasn't... It, Joe Mixon didn't just make a decision 15 minutes prior to that. You know what? I'm gonna go punch a woman in the face. That there, there was no there was no decision prior to that moment. That was a spur of the moment in the heat of battle that escalated into a, a kid making an irrational decision. The other thing is, Joe Mixon had never played a down for Oklahoma. There was they were not relying on Joe Mixon the way that Oklahoma was going to rely on Ramondre Stevenson in that bowl game. So I say apples to oranges on that. And and that's fine. Where I see the similarity is that you have someone put their career in jeopardy. 
based upon a mistake, based upon a decision, whether it was made in the moment or it was pre-calculated, we're throwing that part aside, but it, it's a boneheaded mistake, a, a mistake that you've chosen to do. And I get where you're coming from because one, in the heat of the moment, the other is hoping you don't get caught. I get it. But I'm saying I'm a firm believer in second chances, number one. And number two is we are shaping, not we personally, you and I, but the university is attempting to shape kids, in this instance, boys, into men. And I get there has to be a punishment, but if that punishment is the suspension and they serve the suspension, why punish them twice? I'm just going to throw Damian Williams out at you. The guy should have been the Super Bowl MVP, dismissed from the team for the very same thing. But was it multiple and he turned infractions? Out to, he turned out to be just okay. I mean, he's making a lot of money. He's a world champion for the Kansas City Chiefs. If you got the talent, you got the talent. But I, I'm going to say, again, I'm just going to reiterate, there's a difference between making a mistake as a kid who's just barely on campus and no one's relying on you and making a, stay, a mistake to a kid who, I mean, think about this. Did he know it was wrong? Well, again, there's a moral judgment to be made there, but as far as rules say, it's wrong. And so did he make it, did he make it just a spur of the moment mistake? No, he, he did something that clearly is stated as against the rules and clearly has an established punishment that doesn't just punish you in this moment if you're a guy like Ramondre Stevenson if you're a guy like Ronnie Perkins it punishes the team I do think now you notice I'm, I'm there's one player I'm not mentioning here because I'm going to throw the Joe Mixon rule out there 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 was not a lot of people relying on Trajan Bridges in this moment he's a young guy and the one the one advantage that Trajan Bridges has over Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson is that Trajan Bridges still has three years on campus if he wants it. And so I think there is that, that opportunity to mold, that opportunity to give a second chance, the opportunity to say, look, you got caught up, you know, you're a young kid. Let's fix this and not make sure it never happens again. But to guys who should have known better that were upperclassmen, I'm all I'm saying is do you want this guy back? Or do you say, look, man, five games, you're going to set it out. We've got guys ahead of you on the depth chart right now. Oh, you want to know who's ahead of you on the depth chart? Everybody. Every every single one on your position is ahead of you on the depth chart. You've got five games you're going to set up. You're going to work your tail off. You're going to be a practice squad player. And I want 100% effort from you on the practice squad. We'll talk about this in five weeks. But if the guys in front of you are just killing it, I wouldn't expect to play a whole lot unless we need you. That's the way I, I mean, I'm just thinking that's the way I would, I would approach this. Now I'm not Lincoln Riley. I'm not Alex Grinch. And I do think the idea has some merit when you look at how much depth is there. But again, I'm thinking how much longer, I mean, you, you, there are guys in the past. Now this is the first, this is a, a, to me, it's a milestone moment for Lincoln Riley because there are guys in the past under Bob Stoops who did make decisions like this. And that was the last we saw of them. And I'm just wondering, 
what what are we going to see as a as a difference? Okay, so we're so far off the rails now. <laughs> let me let me flip over to the defensive side of the ball. The storyline I'm looking at um, on the defensive side of the ball. I, I look. I, it, it I think it bodes well that Oklahoma has the top two defensive tackles for what you mentioned as far as that defensive line, particularly on the interior. But also, I want to know about linebacker. Caleb Who's, Kelly. Well, okay, and who? Caleb Kelly. <laughs> I mean, look, you're, you're losing, you're losing uh, Kenneth Murray, but you, you've got you've got guys there. I mean, you got Caleb Kelly, you got Deshaun White, you got Nick Bonito, Brian Osamoa, who has flashed, you know, opportunity and talent. Levi Draper gone. How is this linebacking group going to shape out? What is that depth chart going to look like? And and I'm I'm just I'm just curious about that. That that's that's the only other storyline. And we talked a long time about that, which is good for our listeners because everyone know everyone knows that football pays the bills. So so let me just say to hang in there with us for just a few minutes because we're gonna talk about. Okay, some I do well. I do want to talk some Oklahoma football recruiting for 2021. But before we jump into that, baseball softball updates. Oklahoma baseball down in Houston, Texas, for the Shriners Hospital. For Children College Classic, Oklahoma's going to face some pretty good competition there. The Arkansas, Missouri, LSU, all waiting for the Sooners down in Houston. This team has been impressive so far, particularly on the pitching side. Seven and two on the season. Um, that now they did lose the finale of their four-game series uh, against Illinois State last weekend, but again, you're, you're talking about a team that's only seven and two on the season. And ranking pretty high in the Big 12 as far as pitching and hitting go, I I think we're gonna know a the, the no duh statement of of the uh, of the week is we're gonna know a lot more about Oklahoma baseball after this weekend than we know about them right now when you see a massive step up in competition. And here's the reason I mention that is because. I think we're going to know about Oklahoma baseball along the same lines as what we know about Oklahoma softball at this point after the Sooners have actually stepped up in competition, playing not just you know top-ranked teams, but playing top-five teams, beating Arizona, losing to Washington, losing to Wisconsin in the finale on Sunday of the Mary Nutter Classic. Oklahoma softball right now for you, Rich, are they – are they where you thought they would be? Are they are they ahead of where you thought they would be, or are they behind where you thought they would be? Softball? Yeah, softball. A little bit behind where I thought they would be. What what do you what do you see at this point? Is the Sooners eleven and three on the season? Um, what, what do you see as being the issue? If I, if we can say an issue, it, it's just a lack of experience in the circle. When you look at what Oklahoma possesses, we know that there are a couple of seniors on the roster in G. Juarez and Shannon Sell, who are expected to literally carry this team from competition to competition, from tournament to tournament, and eventually into the NCAA tournament. However, right now it's just been Shannon Sell, and she's more the way that Oklahoma started using her in her career after she transferred, they used her as a closer, much like mm-hmm. they did with Paige Lowry. And you saw the speed. You saw her begin to gain a lot of that confidence playing behind some of these aces, some of these 
pitchers who can consistently step into the circle and deliver the best work that they've ever delivered in the course of their careers from Paige Parker to, to G. Juarez. What we haven't seen is a 100% healthy Giselle Juarez at this point in time, which I think, as I said, has hindered this group because Patty Gasso, whether she intentionally did it this way or was forced to do it this way, or maybe a little bit of both factors were at play. She's had to play some extremely young pitchers who fans don't even know their names yet. Well, one of those young pitchers that you need to know the name is Olivia Reigns, who um, I I was thinking this, and then again, Plank said it on on the the early the Monday podcast. She's the best pitcher on the team right now, which is nuts. To th- <laughs> I'm serious, nuts to think about. I but laughed because she, it's, it's shocking. After after you know, G Juarez came in. Uh, I believe it was Washington, and and just got pummeled in the first inning they turned it over to Olivia Reigns and she held serve against Washington who was the number two team in the country um and I will say halfway joking halfway serious in that we did see um we we did see uh, that that pitching roster kind of trimmed down this last weekend out in California where really it was a lot of Olivia Reigns, it was a lot of Shannon Sell, and some Giselle Juarez sprinkled in, which some one one of the two of us last week on the podcast said that they would they would shrink down the number of pitchers that you wouldn't see five pitchers a game. Now you did see five pitchers. Don't toot your own horn. You did see five pitchers in one game. It's just because they couldn't get outs, and they're just trying to anything that worked in that that game against Washington. Now I, I, I to me I look at how Oklahoma is hitting. And they're hitting, they're hitting really well. And when when you see that take place, you can always catch up with pitching, in my opinion, because we know the talent is there. Now, if you have unquestioned, unproven talent, then you wonder, okay, can they get better? But we know Giselle Juarez is a World Series type pitcher. We know Shannon Sale is a World Series type pitcher. So you know you've got the you've got them there. You just got to get them to, to come along a little bit. What you always have to worry about or wonder about is how are they hitting? And they are hitting splendidly right now. Big weekend series for Oklahoma softball. First time they're at home this season. Courtyard Marriott Tournament, Northwestern, Abilene Christian, North Texas, all coming to town uh, for this tournament. Oklahoma begins play on Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Um, Sooners right now in the Big 12. Texas, 15-2 uh, on the season. Baylor, your Baylor Bears, 14-2 and two on the Back season. The and then uh, Oklahoma, 11-3, Texas Tech, 10-7. It, it looks like as the season is moving that th- those are the four teams to keep an eye on, uh, no, I think four. I, I I think Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas Tech is is where you, you just removing Oklahoma State. I am Oklahoma State seven and six on the season right now. That's where I was about to go. Is that to me the big disappointment this season is Oklahoma State. Okay. I previously had said if if someone was going to snap Oklahoma's Big Twelve conference winning streak, I thought it would be Oklahoma State. I'm leaning more towards Texas now. And I think that's what you said initially yeah, that it would be for Texas. Sure, for sure that it was one thing I, I want to just mention to, to piggyback a state. By the way, Oklahoma made. state next to last, the only team with the worst record in the big 12 within Oklahoma state is Kansas. I thought heading into the season, the bats were the bigger concern for softball because you lose a player like Sidney Romero. 
you lose Shay Knighton, big big play Shay. Mm-hmm. She had a nickname for a reason. It was delivering in those monumental moments in a monumental way. I remember as a freshman, her attending, playing in the Women's College World Series and hitting that home run. Mm-hmm. No one will ever forget that if you're a softball fan and more uh, specifically if you're a fan of Oklahoma softball. But you lose Sydney Romero, who I believed was deserving of Player of the Year honors last year, didn't get that. And you lose Shea Knighton. Corners, first base, third base, great defensively, but even more impressive at the plate and very consistent from Romero. When you lose that, you're saying, how can we replace that consistency? And how can we replace that that productivity? I didn't know who would step up and fill those roles, even though you had Grace Green still on the roster. You had Jocelyn Allo still on the roster. We needed a couple of other big hitters to step in and fill that void. Mm -hmm. And and Oklahoma is certainly finding those. They've been in some very tight games that I believe they've lost because of defense. You wanted to talk about, was it San Diego State that had that come from behind win? Long Beach State. Long Beach State in, in the seventh inning. Oklahoma also lost by one run to another team. That That's two of their games that were well, very much so winnable. But to me, again, if you've watched the games, uh, th- there was pitching. You know, that's Long what Be- I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's the defense. Well, it's, it's not defense as much as it's pitching. It's it's walking. Well, you know, more than the same. To well, no, it is not because there's a difference between missing an infield grounder and walking a batter to first base. You know what I'm saying? The batter, the, the 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 runner's on first base, but is the runner on first base because the pitcher walked the runner, or is the runner on first base because a grounder went through? You know, went right past the shortstop. They're not. It fielding to me has not been an issue for this team as much as free passes by the pitchers. And also in that Long Beach State, I'm pretty sure it's Long Beach State, they walked in. I mean, they, they hit a pitcher to walk in a run. Um, and something that if you've not paid attention to this team, two things you're two names you're going to want to know. One is a brand new name, and that's Kenzie Hansen. And and Kenzie, she's a true freshman and is just killing it right now. She's Number one on the team in batting average, 455 on the season. That ranks her number eight in the conference on batting average as a true freshman. And then this is crazy because you know the name, but I, I never saw this in her last year. Lindsey Elam, and not only is she leading Oklahoma in home runs this year, she's tied for second in the Big 12 conference in home runs. If you wanted me to say, hey, three weekends into the, into the uh, season, who's Oklahoma's home run hitter? I'm going to go Jocelyn Allo, you know, or I'm going to go Grace Green. It's it's hard to say Allo at this point in time because everyone pitches around her. Well, she's only one behind Lindsey Elam. So Sooners, Sooners very much in a big, big weekend, by the way, for Texas this weekend in softball. Sooners very much in the hunt to be exactly what they've been in years past. Jumping back to baseball real fast before we talk about Oklahoma football recruiting. The Sooners right now fourth in the Big 12, as if that matters without conference play having started. Texas 9-0, Texas Tech 8-1, TCU 7-1, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both 7-2 in conference play. Um, Again, big weekend for Oklahoma baseball down in Houston. We'll have much more to say about that on the Monday podcast. All right, moving along, talking a little bit of Oklahoma football recruiting. The Sooners right now for 2021 still holding with three hard commitments. Uh, Cody Jackson, wide receiver. Ethan Downs, a defensive end. Colin Montgomery, offensive tackle. But do you know Rich DeCray? 
do you do you know what position they're really focusing on for 2021? What is the target go-to position? Quarterback? Did you say quarter or corner? Quarter. No. They got to get no, one. They, no, they are they they they're after this Caleb Williams kid and this and he is looking to be the real deal, the number one dual threat quarterback in the country. It looks like it's still between Oklahoma and LSU on him. Um but I, no, that's here's, not the, here's what I really believe. And I, I've said this to you before, was that when you look at what what's currently on the roster, I know that you've got Mims coming in who we believe is is an excellent wide receiver, mm-hmm. but you've also got to look at what you have depth wise. And Oklahoma doesn't have a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of scholarship players at the wide receiver position. And I peg twenty twenty one is the year that they would need to address that. I'm still going to tell you you're wrong. Okay. Um, offensively, they're looking at offensive linemen. 15 offers right now for offensive linemen uh, for this team, but that is not even the top. So I'm going to tell you defensive side of the. I'm going to say it's on the defensive side of the ball, and you tell me what position on the defensive side of the ball. Cornerback. Cornerback is correct. They've they've made 18 offers. At defensive end, 19 offers at the cornerback position. And here's the thing, and it's really what I wanted to get at. Two guys that are kind of warming up to Oklahoma and and maybe have a chance of landing here. Uh, Kyrie Jackson, uh, Dejon Warren, both of those guys being junior college transfers. Uh, Jackson coming from Mississippi Community College. Warren coming from Lackawanna Community College. I got no problem with this because that cornerback is a position we've talked about depth and the issues there. If you read my article today, going into spring football, do you know how many cornerbacks are listed on Oklahoma's roster right now? Three, three, because you read my article. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, now that's you, not, and you've got the two income, right? That's not so, defensive, right. but, but they're not coming until the summer. I'm right. talking about going into spring ball. That's not, that's not listing defensive backs because there's guys in that defensive secondary, like Trey Norwood, like Brandon Radley Hiles, who could play corner. And I think Oklahoma is going to have to be a little bit creative with that during the spring, but 19 offers just shows you these guys are looking seriously to add depth. And I love the fact that they're looking at junior college guys. We talked about this the other day, a junior, a junior college guy at this level, at this, at this particular time in your, and with your level of depth, they, they can't be missed guys. They've got to be guys that can come in and push and make an effort to get on the field. And Jackson and Warren both seem to be those guys. Now, Oklahoma, a long way from being a lock to land those guys, but there's some other, and there, there's a ton of five stars. There's three five star recruits that they have offered. Um, when you're looking back at high school kids, there's um, a four star recruit out of West Virginia, Bluefield, West Virginia, Isaiah Johnson, who is warming up to Oklahoma. And and then there's a four star kid right out of Oklahoma, Tulsa Union, AJ Green, who's warming up to Oklahoma. And I think the Sooners have a really really good chance to land him. That said, with I mean AJ Green could be. An all-world type player, give me a JUCO guy at this point that's proven and has talent. What are your thoughts? I get the attempting to address a need with more than than just a Band-Aid by bringing in a guy that you develop and hope that they pan out or turn into the player 
that you would like for them to be without really seeing them at that division one level of competition, excuse me, FBS level of competition and instead turning towards the JUCO route. But I love that you can go and get someone, you're mentioning green specifically, so I'll use the same name, that you can go and get green and then shape them into mm -hmm. exactly, exactly who you want them to be versus going the JUCO route and saying, we just have to live with some of the shortcomings and some of the potentially poor technique that you've been taught throughout your career because it's too late for us to change it. Well, and it's not just technique as much as it is as well. Just the the adjusting to the speed, adjusting to the schemes. We saw again on full display in the Sugar Bowl, uh, not Sugar Bowl, the Peach Bowl, what it looks like when you have one guy, one guy who's not ready to be out there, but he has to be out there, and then Buki goes and gets ejected. Then we saw the damage that can be caused when two guys who aren't ready have to be out there, and Oklahoma is very close to being on that level at the cornerback position if they can't address it immediately in 2021. And that's why these two JUCO guys, and I would expect more JUCO offers to go out, but starting with these two guys, I think that's why they, they become really important uh, in this recruiting class. Um, let's close out. We'll talk a little bit of Oklahoma City. Do you have anything else you want to say on recruiting? No, I, I was just going to say Oklahoma has an opportunity this weekend to make a, a lasting impression yes. upon some of the top recruits in the country as the dead period will officially come to to an end on March 1st. There are several, <laughs> several at the position we're talking about cornerback, several star potential star players who are planning on being on campus that weekend. So it'll be very interesting to hear what they're saying, hear the word that's coming out from these recruits about what they're seeing and the changes that o Oklahoma is implementing before we even get to spring ball. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, big big weekend for Oklahoma, and and you're gonna after this weekend, I think when you're really gonna start seeing some strides made uh, with this 2021 class, and and it's, it's funny to me how people sometimes just push the panic button way too early. It is way 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 too early to be pushing the panic panic button over only having three commitments for 2021. Uh, final thoughts: Oklahoma City Thunder 36-22 on the season. We're recording this on. Thursday night, the Thunder about to play Sacramento um, as we're recording this. But right now, Oklahoma City, number five, the number five seed in the West. I said last week that the idea that no one wants to play Oklahoma City in the first round of the playoffs is a Still myth. True. Well, look, I, I haven't changed my mind, but big wins last week. I think they're going to beat Sacramento as well. But here's, here's what I want to throw at you real fast. To me, a team that I would, and I've, I've, I've spent a week thinking about this because I've got heat. I've got heat from the Thunder guys. I've got heat from other people. I would much rather play, and, and I'm going to tell you, I would much rather play Oklahoma City than the team I'm about to tell you. And the team I'm about to tell you is not even in the top eight right now. But if New Orleans were to work their way into the top eight, that's a team that would scare me. Funny. No, it is because look, they're right now. New Orleans is only three games out of the eighth seed. They pushed the Los Angeles Lakers to the to the wire the other night. Zion has made this team something that it wasn't for the first two thirds of the season. And if they can push in there and get that eighth seed, that's a team that would legitimately scare me in the playoffs. It, it's funny to me to hear you say that. Because you were giving me three teams last week, Matt, 
three teams and saying. Well, I was I was giving you the top Dallas, four. Oklahoma City. No, I was giving you the top four. I wouldn't want to play. I, I'm still a top four. I wouldn't want to play the Lakers. I wouldn't want to play the Nuggets. I wouldn't want to play the Clippers. I don't even think I'd want to play the Rockets. Those are the teams that. But if we're going to make this argument about someone in the fine the bottom four seeds. I'm going to pick a team well, like New Orleans. Apparently, you can only pick someone in the top four. You're, you, you honestly are going to tell me you'd rather play the Lakers than the than the Thunder. I, I'm not. Okay, you're uh, not. Here's, That's now, the point here's, I'm making. Here, listen, you listen, don't want listen, to play listen, the top four seeds. Listen, here's what I'm not saying though, is when we look at the seeding for the NCAA. NCAA you don't even know what sport N, we're N, talking. NBA playoffs. When we look at the seeding. For the NBA playoffs, one, two, and three are expected to win their respective matchups. One, two, three, and four are expected to win. Well, four is more of a give me, um, not a give me. By the way, if if it's held right now, do you know who Oklahoma City would play? Dallas. The Houston Rockets. Hmm. Here's, here's, here's the thing, though, is when I look at the top four, one, two, and three are expected to win. Four and five, a little bit of a closer matchup because those yeah. could literally be yeah. separated I by gotcha. half a game. When we begin to look at the playoffs, then the picture of who you don't want to play has to be one of those six, seven, and eights for me. Why? These are the teams that generally aren't expected to be there and made a surprise run, and two, have nothing to lose. Well, that's where New Orleans that's comes in. That's why you don't get in a fight with a bum. That's why New Orleans comes into play here because New Orleans is a team, again, totally different team with Zion and, wait, Wait, and <laughs> and I think we have seen I think we have seen the ceiling for Oklahoma City. I'm I'm not bashing, okay? Because I know this can be taken as me bashing. Oklahoma City has been phenomenal. They've been phenomenal this year. They've done so much better than anybody in the most diehard fans. They've exceeded those expectations, but I believe we have seen their ceiling. I don't think we've seen this ceiling with New Orleans. Because Zion's just now getting his legs underneath him. Well, and the funny thing to me is just to hear you say that someone outside of L.A. or Houston, we, we've got two teams in L.A., okay? L.A. or Houston, you would pick them and say, any team besides those, you wouldn't want to play them. That's what No, I'm saying the top me. four. I'm, I don't want to – if if I'm random team – I don't want to play either team from L.A. I don't want to play Denver. I don't want to play Houston. I don't because either those, all any of those four teams could beat me in the first round. But you're you're talking <laughs> you're talking about some of the best teams in the NBA. That's what that's exactly the point I'm making. Right. Stop saying well, that, but that, here's, that, but here's the reality is no. The reality we're is we're asking the question from two different. No, I'm telling you the reality is the teams you don't want to play in the playoffs are the top four seeds. But here's this, so stop saying well no this, one wants to play us listen, yes listen, they do listen, so you've got me right back listen, where I was last listen, week listen the you're taking the vantage point of saying of the eight which would I not want to play I'm taking it and saying okay if I'm the Lakers who's the last team I want to see in the first round the Clippers. You're 0-2. Okay, that's, the, <laughs> that's not one of the top four seeds. I, but that's that's the point okay, I'm making. This? How about this? If I'm you said. Houston's in the five spot. They're in the four. Oklahoma okay. City's in the five. If I'm Houston, who's the team I don't want to see at the five? Don't say the Lakers. Don't no, say the no, Clippers. At the I can five. see it on okay. your face. Okay. You only have one. Let me let me look at the standings here. Um, I think Utah would give Houston um, – Look here, I think Oklahoma City. No, I'm I'm ranking them. I'm ranking the top. Here's here's how I'd rank. Uh, here, let's do this. Here's how I would rank the bottom four. 
of right now, the bottom four is Oklahoma City, Utah, Dallas, and Memphis. Okay, to me, Memphis is the team I would most likely to play. And of the of the eight teams in the playoffs, Memphis is the team I want. Give me Memphis. I'm going to sweep them in the first round. Okay, the second team is probably going to be Utah that I would want to play. And then it comes to the third team, Oklahoma City and Dallas is a toss-up because Luka at, at the point guard and Houston is terrible at defending the point guard position. Why? Oh, yeah, because Russell Westbrook is there. So I, I would hey. I would say third, maybe fourth team. Some shade. I'm just saying, look, look at the so, stats. Look at the stats. Russell Westbrook against the point guard, terrible and, matchup. And, and that's where I'm saying in conclusion here. Our conversation has centered around two completely different vantage but, points. But okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, You're I'm gonna finally s- seeing it from where I, everybody. But else here's is the thing: I'm gonna stick to my guns. Of those four teams, I would rather play all four of them than New Orleans. Okay, and and that's fair because I'm seeing you sitting in the same seat that you are now sitting. No, in, sir. because they're not a team you don't want to play in the first round. I'm just saying. All right, he's Rich. I'm Matt. Sooner Nation podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Um, find us on the web, heartland-sports.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>